It's like a record on repeat. We hear the same thing over and over again. Local people are the key ingredient in building lasting peace. Yet, they continue to face closed doors and full tables. Why is their knowledge trivialized and their solutions ignored? Real change starts by giving a voice to those at the forefront of peace. Welcome to a new season of the Peace Corner podcast, where we will be challenging the status quo of top-down peace building. With each pod, we will be bringing you the stories of local peace builders from across the world, exemplifying their work and showing just why locals know best. Welcome back, everyone, to the Peace Corner podcast. Today, our special guest is Gwendolyn Myers, and we'll dive into the topic of the inclusion of Liberian youth in peace building. Uh, welcome, Gwendolyn. I'm really happy to have you here with us, and I would like to start with asking you more about your journey towards becoming a peace builder. So thank you for having me, and it's really great whenever peace builders can be able to meet and, and discuss. I mean, what is true interview, or uh, what is uh, a true dialogue, or you know, what is also making use of uh, the media. Whatever way we can be able to get our messages across, especially for the work we do, is always something really exciting. And I'm really happy we're doing this, especially for new and young women involvement. And definitely, as a journey, has been a very long one. And it started up since I was 13 year, 13 year old little girl who started up this journey with the Search for Common Ground Talking Drum Studio. So at the time, the Search for Common Ground had a particular radio production in Liberia, was just meant for for young people to be able to express their views and issues affecting and benefiting them. And that program, we used to refer to it as uh, the Golden Kids News. And that was actually where this entire passion and advocacy journey started up from uh, since I was 13 years old. And with that, I mean, I always say that I can't talk about my journey and leave out that particular contribution of that mentoring where I would just, you know, go to uh, the radio station of, sorry, the production house and just be able to anchor out of a particular topic for the day, uh, be the host along with other uh, young colleagues. And probably I'm in the field gathering content, talking to other young people, talking to children in the streets about their views and what is actually benefiting and affecting them. Come back to the production house, do a production with the team. And it's always used to be an exciting thing that I realized it really brought out a lot of about my public speaking. And in terms of making me to be really confident that I can say and express myself anywhere. So there's something that I really knew that it was really enhancing my growth as well. And that's what I want people today talk about how, you know, I'm always there to be able to put forth my ideas and how very relaxed and very confident. I always like to give it back to that particular uh, mentoring journey of the very fact that it started from my early childhood. And it's something that I can be able to speak about. But that's how it all started. And I mean, I was doing that production until I graduated from high school. I was there with the Talking Drum Studio. And then, I mean, I started also from the whole peace building angle of it. Someone who were born and raised during the heat of the Liberian saber crisis. And I remember there was a particular time where, you know, my late father and then my mother we were actually uh, running away just like during the saber war. And I remember what I asked my father, especially where we were on the road, and I saw how young people were the ones being used to foment violence. I remember even when we were running away from, uh, from, from bullets and everything, and there was this day, and I'd be like, I saw young people, the one harassing people in the streets. Young people were the one uh, actually tormenting, then used to torment people. You know, so I was like, hey, wait a minute. You know, so I asked my father actually, like, what? He said, young people doing this. Why young people the ones that are really doing all these things? And then that's how this whole inspiration started. Like, 
if young people can be used to foment violence and conflict, then the very same young people can actually be used to bring about peace and development. So if you can use young people, if you can manipulate young people, then obviously what is stopping us? The same way you will be able to governize young people to do bad things, then as well, it is time to change that particular narrative and say, hey, we're not going to just be used for the bad ones anymore, but it is time now that young people, we can contribute meaningfully to peace process. We can contribute meaningfully to development in local communities and as well at national and global level. So that was what gave rise to the whole concept behind the formation of Messengers of Peace, the nonprofit that we're running in Liberia. That is actually the whole brain and the, and the concept behind that entire vision. That if you can use young people, then obviously young people can be used to bring about peace. Young people can contribute to development. Young people can bring about lasting solution. And that's what this drive we have been on. And then since then, Messengers of Peace have been in active operation for 12 solid years. So since September 17, just celebrated our 12 years of active youth peace and security operations in Liberia. And it's important to say 12 solid years of being consistent. So there's not a point in time where you say we abandoned the vision or we left it at some point to probably chase other dreams or to chase other big jobs or something around here. And I always like to say, because nothing stopped me from doing that. You know, I, I really use this to encourage and inspire young people to say, nothing could stop me. The international contacts and everything are there. I could probably leave this country a long time ago and be doing something, sitting in the Hague, sitting in the UN, or doing something. That doesn't mean that it can still happen. And I want to be clear. But it's just because of the fact that you made a commitment that for where we are now as nation and as people, nobody will do this at the time we're in if we do not make the sacrifices for us to be able to get the way we want our country to be. So that I'm not erasing the fact that our time will come, probably the international community can grab me as well to do something. That is also still part of the process to influence policy as we've been doing it. But it's also important to make it clear that at this point, this is a particular decision that I took that I will remain where I am to do what I need to do until I deem it necessary to step out. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, and you're doing amazing work, and uh, and it's uh, it's it's really inspiring to to hear you talk with uh, such passion about uh, your work. But now, with uh, your work has a focus on youth inclusion, and with the five-year anniversary of the youth peace and security agenda that took place just last week. Can you tell me exactly how you involve uh, the Liberian youth in peace building and what the main barriers are in the involvement and in, in the implementation of the WPS agenda? I mean, in terms of answering that, I always like to say the work we do, and especially, you know, there will be no Gwendolyn if it's not really on the shoulders of all these amazing young people. There will be this champion that people refer to, especially when it comes to the YPS in my country. Uh, there will not be that energy and that push if it's really not on the real genuines, the young people. So the young people that we work with, the young people that I know that have always been there for this work that we're doing with Messengers of Peace, they are the real giants. And I stand tall on their shoulders. So having said that, they are meaningfully involved and it means it's not just a date event, which obviously we all know that. It is a process that is still ongoing. So yes, there might be some great success stories that we have, but this is a continuous process because peace building in itself is a whole process that is still ongoing. So we keep engaging. We started off with just probably 10, 15 young people, but in terms of measuring the level of input and growth for an organization that just had probably 10, 15 young people now, we have up to 1,500 young people that are actively engaged 
and we call them Young Volunteer Peace Messengers. So the 1,500 plus of the young people that fall under the Messengers of Peace work on a daily basis, whether it's through our Peace Clubs programs that are in schools and running in communities, whether it's through our mentoring and coaching program for young boys and, and, and as well adolescents and young women, uh, whether it's uh, through our cohort of young peace writers, so meaning whether it's young people that are writing because it's one thing to use the internet and it's another thing to know how to use the internet. So we have a cohort of young peace writers who were able to train and go through a whole training process of what is it to write and put on the internet. What inspiring messages and peace messages that we can put on the internet. It's not just to use the internet. So whether there are young people who are finding that, that are part of the 1,500, whether there are young people who are part of our community young mediators program, because it's a specialized program now in Messengers of Peace, who train a team of young people just particularly in community mediation. Because again, it comes back to this whole advocacy that we've been leading, that there's nothing wrong if you can have a delegation of people rather going to the UN, going to the AU, going to other countries, there's nothing wrong to have young people leading also a fun part of mediation delegation across the world. Nothing wrong with that. And that is actually a way to put all of these different blueprints into action, especially when we look at 2419, when we look at what, 2535. That is a practical way of how we translate that particular of uh, these resolutions. How do young people form part of these processes? We talk about negotiation. We talk about mediation. We talk about a dialogue process. There is nothing wrong to have young people also part and actively part of the process as well. And 2535 says, it's time to act. How do we act? Young people should actually be leading the process as well as we also do this together because it is an inclusive process. So all of these different things, that's why when you ask me and I'm saying, it will not just be Gwendolyn, but it's telling you how young people in Liberia, because of all these different programs I'm outlining, so also whether it is our community dialogue initiative, there are young people who actually uh, they go into local communities, they engage local communities, facilitate dialogue processes. That would not be happening if it's not part of the 1,500 plus of young people that are doing this. So we cannot talk about the success stories of the YPS agenda in Liberia and do not give all the credit to all these young people who are really amazing and doing exceptionally well with the YPS agenda on the Messengers of Peace. And as well, there are other youth organizations who are doing exceptionally well as well. It might necessarily be messengers of peace. They might not necessarily fall under the 1,500 of the young people that we manage. But there are other young people who are in local communities. They are doing exceptionally well, amazing work. But honestly, we don't get to tell the stories of all these other young people who are out there because they are not known. They have not, maybe they have not reached the spotlight. But they are doing amazing work. And when we have opportunities to speak on platforms like this, we must be able to really give it out to them and say, hats off. They are indeed the real peace, uh, two peacekeepers that are really sustaining peace in local communities at grassroots level. So we should also recognize the ones that you we have not seen yet at the top, but they are really driving and doing amazing things in their communities. So indeed, it is a journey and we are on it. Might have challenges, it is obvious. Challenges are not there to say we're not doing anything. In fact, we should appreciate when we have challenges and failures on the process so that it can be able to help us to review and plan better and know how to act when we are ready to act now. Thank you, thank you for this. Well, an example of uh, how uh, the, the the role of youth has recently played a role is maybe in the in the recent senatorial elections. Uh, I know that you were um, an observer, and can you tell me more about how the the role of the of the Liberian youth uh, sh shined uh, in these events, in the outplaying, uh, the unfolding of the events. 
that is really a good one because if we're talking about how practical we can be with all these blueprints and, and different resolutions, uh, the resolutions and the blueprints, they are there for legitimacy. And they're always giving us, and that's what has given us legitimacy for the work we do. Because I tell you, the recent elections, the special senatorial election we just had uh, on the 8th of December in Liberia, you cannot talk about the success story, particularly that is coming from Montserrado, which was actually because we always have the saying that in the capital, if anything goes wrong, then all hell will break loose. So that's why you always see when we are doing making intervention, we always really focus our attention more about what's happening within Montserrado because in as much as we, of course, we need to decentralize, which is something that in our different interventions we are doing because we have young people who cut across the entire 15 uh, political subdivision of the country as we speak. So in the 1,500 plus of the young people, it's not just within the capital. So that our work right now, it cuts across every segment of the society. We have young people, we have different young peace messengers who are in all of these different political, of the 15 political subdivision of Liberia. So I'm saying this to also draw onto the fight that the capital is still something that we is still a place that we put really a keen attention and emphasis as well as we keep engaging also rural parts of the country. We also still keep our eyes really open more to what's happening in the capital. Because uh, this recent elections for Montserrado were really, we saw all the conflict triggers around. Uh, there were triggers when we did our own conflict mapping process as an institution. We realized there were triggers. How people trust a process, how people trust the system and all of that. And because this is what we're saying, the entire peace building architectural plan, we're now moving more to conflict prevention. So we do not just sit and just wait for us to, to have conflict or have uh, tension. And then we start to put all the different peace building mechanisms into place to resolve it. I think our emphasis more now should be how do we want to prevent conflict? So conflict prevention is something that our entire advocacy now and strategies is really centered around how do we prevent conflict instead of just wasting our time and always putting attention on resolving conflict when we can as well do away with just preventing it and just focus on prevention. So because of that, the youth peace talks that were held recently, it brought together different actors, political actors. Uh, we did that in partnership with the city government of Monrovia. And that's another thing that we always, you know, we like people to know. We say governments come, governments go. Our work as civil society is unnecessarily to always to be against government. We are not anti-government. And it's really important to say these things, especially on platforms like this. Civil society, our role, we speak against the ills and, 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 you know, and different stuff that are happening in society. But as well, not because we're speaking against it. It means we're there to just be anti-government. We are there to also be able to help consolidate government's efforts. Because at the end of the day, we represent people, the people out there, the society looking up to us, to write, to take their voices, to reflect their ideas and everything. But we, even, if, even if we reflect their ideas and their views, at the end of the day, it's just one side to reflect it. How do we influence it? Because we will still need the political will and the will to influence even the voices from the civil society side. And that is what we need to do this in partnership. If we go back to goal 17 of the Sustainable Development Goals, and this is how we see what we do from the goal 16 to goal 17, it should therefore become that partnership for the goal. And if it's partnership for the goals, then obviously we will know that we're not just doing this alone, but we need to make sure that everybody on board has a way of leaving no one behind. So the reason these talks were very instrumental, if we talk about the fight as we speak, all of the different parties have accepted the result as of today. 
Yes, there were little tension that were trying to come up about the fact that people will feel disenchanted, of course, it's obvious in any electoral process. But because of the peace talks that we had, because of the fact that we were not just doing these talks on our own, and it's important to highlight even on this podcast that, you know what, this is what we always say, we need the backing as we do this work. This is where it is a joint effort. You know, we got endorsement from the international community and that actually was very much instrumental for even making and giving much more credibility to the process we just had for this for the peace talks. We had the civil society platform for peace building and state building. We had an official endorsement message that came from CSPPS to say, hey, we put our support to this process. We recognize what Messengers for Peace is doing together with the city government of Monrovia. And it was a clear manifestation that, hey, even the different political actors that knew we were not just acting on our own. We had international backing of the international community. We also had the global coalition on the youth peace and security. We had also an official endorsement message, video message that was sent to us to say, hey, we recognize what young people are doing to the messengers of peace and in partnership with the city government. And this is a clear manifestation of what exactly when member states sign up to these different protocols, this is what we call it is really in action. Because you cannot talk about that sustaining peace process if you do not have that buy-in. So the city government partnership, the city government of Monrovia partnership with us, it was a way to say, Whatever we are doing, we're also having that political will and that particular push and support that is also coming to say, whatever we are doing, the government will recognize it. We are also in support of this. And that is something that is very effective and we should speak to it. Whenever we have situations like that, it makes our work really so easy and simple that you know what? We are doing this together and we'll get results. We also had an endorsement message that came from Mediators Beyond Borders International of which I said as the youngest board member for Mediators Beyond Borders. So many, it was something that is telling you, it's a mediation group worldwide, and it's telling you like, hey, this is about political mediation. Messengers of Peace is not just doing these peace talks. We pledge our support, and we're waiting for the outcomes of it. So it was really something that contributed also to the fact that we were on ground here and doing everything we could do. But then all of the different, uh, even from the opposition, from the government, the new people who were involved with the talks, they knew that, hey, this is something we're putting ourselves to. Yes, young people leading and driving this particular initiative. And as well, they are doing it in consultation and in partnership with other international organizations that they are part of. So this is the kind of partnership we're talking about when we talk about the YPS and even if it's the, w, uh, the WPS agenda. So whether we try to build a synergy with the YPS, the youth peace and security, and as well, the women peace and security agenda. And it's important for us to keep doing these things in partnership because at the end of the day, a community was signed we sent the community even to the different international groups I just talked about. So we made it clear to even our different parties and speakers. We are not just here to talk because at the end of the day, everything you say here, we are also keeping in touch and sending these different information and documentation to our international partners. Because if there's any possible conflict or tension, we will start to remind you about what you sign up to. And at the end of the day, people respected it. Today, we're talking about how Monserrat's senatorial election were peaceful, that even all of the, even the other side, uh, that they didn't win. Come on, they reached out. Even from the government, yes, they were able to reach out. The candidate that came from the government, they reached out to congratulate the opposition. That tells you because they all signed up and they pledged that commitment that this senatorial election in Monserrat was going to be peaceful. And at the end of the peace talks, because of that conflict prevention strategy of a dialogue process, it was really helpful to bring all the parties together and we're at the end of the day, today we can see the success story. And it's a clear manifestation when we talk about the YPS agenda, how practical it is. So young people, we led the process. Young people were not just used to be part of the process, 
but we were leading the process. And today, for that success story, you can't erase it and leave out the contribution. There were 500 youth that gathered. And I'd like to say hats off. We work with 40 different youth organizations. So you see, when we talk about partnership, we keep emphasizing on partnership and collaboration. So it was not just messengers of peace because we were leading the process. We were also able to reach out to other youth organizations and say, we can't just do this. It's about young people. So we were able to get over 40 youth organizations and that's why we're able to get over 500 young people that were actually part of the talks. That kind of mobilization and galvanizing young people it's not something that you just sit and say it's an easy process. It took a whole lot of time. It took a whole lot of energy. But because we were doing it in partnership, we were able to get the desired result. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's a, It was an, a, an, an amazing speech, honestly. Um, I heard you once say on another podcast that you thought that peace building was personal. And I think that I can really hear that in the passion um, the passion your voice has and the, and the passion with which you speak. Uh, so I think that saying that peace building in per is personal is also a segue to to um, for saying that peace building needs to be localized. Um, what do you believe are the main challenges to the localization of peace building um, efforts in Liberia? The thing about it is like, uh, in as much as we say all of these things, it's going to come back to even the major, uh, the major struggle we still have with even implementing the YPS agenda in a different country's context. And it has to do with funding mechanism. All the amazing things you just heard me talking, it wouldn't have been possible. And that's what I'm saying. It would, we didn't have the support because putting 500 young people together, governizing different uh, political actors and things, barging into the streets of Monrovia, uh, putting 500 youth in the streets for what for different opposition and government side to parade in the street for a march for peace, that wouldn't have been possible if you didn't have the right support and the funding mechanism put in place for that. And that is something when you talk about how to, uh, in terms of what the challenges are, decentralizing all what we do, I will tell you, it actually remains a problem. It doesn't mean peace builders don't want to go out there and do what they're supposed to do. It is not telling that they don't have the passion and the vigor to go out there in the local communities and the villages, but what is going to facilitate their movement? Obviously, you will need the kind of support to be put in place for that. So most of them, these are things that are serving as barriers. And as well, we'll continue to say it and we will remain optimistic. It is a process. There are times you will engage in this. People, you even want to take this message so they are not ready for it. But you don't get tired with it. This is why you, I like the way you mentioned that you heard from one of my other podcasts because I always say this to people. Peace building is personal. It's personal in the sense that it's not about the fabulous bank account or what you will put in someone's bank account to say, hey, that's a huge amount of money I'm giving you. And as much as we say we need funding to be available to do these things, but trust me, there are little things that we do. There are little interventions that we can make in our day-to-day -day approach and different strategies that will really be so powerful and touching to humankind or to mankind. Honestly, sometimes people are not even interested in what you gave them about money. People don't care about what you come in to present to them with, this is how much I have. People just need you to show to them that you are there. I tell you, there are communities we go to. Why all these young people continue to say, oh, we feel inspired by what Ms. Myers is doing. We're inspired whenever Gwendolyn is talking to us because it is personal. It is personal in a way that you tell somebody, hey, my sister, I see you. My brother, I see your struggle. 
I can understand your struggle. I empathize with you. How can I help? How can we do it together? So there's you moving from the top and bringing yourself down to the people so that you live in a condition and a situation with the people and feel what they feel. And you can be able to see how you work around it. It doesn't mean you're coming to tell them I'm here to solve all your problems. No, 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 no. You're not there to solve people's problems because problems will always come. Even if you try to avoid it, it will still come. But what do you show to people that even as they go through the greatest, tough battles in their life, what do you show to people that you are there with them in those struggles? How is your commitment to them? How is it that you show to people that I'm here? If you need me, just talk to me. You know, sometimes we overlook these things, but what I keep saying, we keep joking. Because if we don't, we do not make this very approach to be personal with people. It would just be more like just us talking about all the blueprints. Trust me. What is 1325? What is 2250? What is 2419? What is 2535 to an ordinary village boy? I continue to ask that. To an ordinary village girl. <laughs> Trust me, it means nothing to them. If it's not personal, if you're not translating that way, they can feel the impact. You were just setting all these protocols and, 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 and blueprints just so please, you know, from us on the international side. What is it there to the local communities? So it is also included in us as we craft all these blueprints, as we craft all these different uh, resolutions. It is where our role from the national level to the local level, it is where now we need to have the right support so that we'll be able to translate everything that is in these different resolutions for the people so they feel the real impact. Other than that, it will just be another document on the shelf. It's very true, and uh, your, your words are uh, enlightening. Um, Gwendolyn, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Uh, I will also thank the listeners uh, that, make it, that make this podcast able to exist. Thank you again, Gwendolyn. I wish you the best. Thank you so very much and I wish every one of us the best and it's a journey that we are still on and you know we can't get tired we'll continue to speak we'll keep speaking out until we're getting those desired results thanks for listening to the peace corner podcast brought to you by you know why peace builders cspps gpac and the plus peace coalition subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or wherever you might be listening